The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Let's pray together. So God, you are the you are the God who makes light to shine in the darkness. You're the God who created the world and by the word of your power sustains the world, by the word of your power speaks life and light into dark hearts and creates new creations by the word of your power. And so I pray this morning that by the power of your spirit, you would grant us as a people a hope that's as deep as your ability, a hope that's as big as your power. Do it from your word by the power of your spirit as we see more of Jesus pray this in his name. Amen. I want to thank Haddon. I don't know if he's here today. He is. I want to thank Haddon for, uh, maybe you didn't know, but he stepped in in about two or three days notice for me last week and just knocked it out of the park. So praise God for Haddon and for stepping in for me. I want to thank him. It is good to be dispensable in the kingdom of God and know that God is always at work, uh, working for his people. I'm going to dive back in. You all need to pretend like hadn't preached last week. And we're starting with this sermon in Advent and then go back in your mind and connect it back to what hadn't said. That will be hard to do, though. Advent is one of my favorite seasons of the year. I, I love, uh, and actually every year it grows, just this, this rhythm of Advent and just letting my heart settle into a season of longing and eager expectation. Kind of settling and going, I'm just going to, really lean into the season. Let my heart just long for the return of Christ. And this year, we're zeroing in on the theme of the light shining in the darkness. And the reason I chose this theme this year is that in some ways, it has seemed more dark and shadowy than ever. Right? In some ways, it's felt dark and shadowy for a long time, and it feels like there's no kind of end in sight. And so what is our hope? Well, I could list all the things dividing and distracting in the world. I could list all of those, but you already know them. Uh, they've been happening, and they continue to keep happening. I could list all the suffering just at the self-congregation alone. There's been a lot of suffering in the last year, year and a half. I could list the sin that we still know lives in us, in me and has its way in us and among us more often than we wish it did. And sometimes, as I talk to people, the theme I walk away with in this season, in these last 18 months, is kind of the themes of frustration or resignation. Just frustration as they look out into the world, frustration as they look at the set of circumstances they find themselves in, or sometimes just kind of a a resignation. Well, here we are, (laughs) living where we live. What are we going to do? Now, I don't want to downplay those feelings. I get it. There's been a weariness, but I really don't want our hearts to stop at either frustration or resignation. Not as Christians, not with all we just sang about and all we just heard about and all we just saw in this baptismal. 
I keep saying we were made for this moment. But even as I say that, I don't want us to get worked up on some adrenaline high that will eventually run out. Rather, I want us to be as hopeful as our God is able. Amen? As hopeful as our God is able. Now, as I say we're made for this moment, and I get really excited about it, we could, but I just kind of have this adrenaline high. And the reason I say I don't want that is that adrenaline won't help us when we walk out the doors and the darkness and the shadows feel heavy again this week. It won't help us then. Adrenaline won't help us in the dark night of the soul. It just doesn't last. Adrenaline doesn't last. So what lasts? Knowing the ability of our God lasts. Knowing the power of our God lasts. We can be as hopeful as our God is able. And so today, my prayer is to simply remind you how all-powerful and all-able the God is that we serve. And if you've trusted in Jesus Christ like Abby has, if you've trusted in this sovereign King, this ruling and reigning and resurrected King, then that all-powerful and all-able God is always working for your good, always pursuing you with goodness and mercy all the days of your life and always giving you a hope that is untouchable by life circumstances, namely the hope of Christ in you, the hope of glory. What can touch that? What can take that? And if you're here today and you haven't trusted Christ, and maybe you look around and you, you feel the darkness out there and you feel the darkness of your own soul and the darkness of the world and it feels like it's crumbling without anyone strong enough to hold it up, I pray you'd see Jesus today and you'd trust Him. You'd see Him and you'd trust Him. That today would be the day the light of Christ shines into your darkness and you join us who are imperfect but have a sure, steady hope that is untouched by even the most horrific circumstances of the world, and sometimes they are horrific. So we're not here to play games, <laughs> just light and happy and pretend there's never any problems, but we're also not here to let our hearts just settle into frustration or resignation. We're here to fight for hope that is as big as our God, fight for joy that is full as our God. So let's dive in and look at a couple texts this morning. First, we're going to see God's power and light in creation. So actually turn all the way to the very beginning of your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, and we're just going to read the first five verses of Genesis chapter 1 together. Genesis chapter 1. It says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So there's a lot to talk about in Genesis 1. We're going to do that again at the end of January when we dive into our next series on Genesis. But for today, I just want to focus in on a couple of things from these five verses. Kids, I've told you about how I used to play on the playground 
And the kids on the playground, for whatever reason, would talk about whose dad was the strongest. We'd, we'd do that all the time. And sometimes we'd give examples, right? My dad is stronger than your dad. He played football in college. Right? My dad is stronger than your dad. You should have seen him lifting these heavy bricks last weekend. And it was kind of silly. Who knows whose dad was actually the strongest, right? But you can imagine, if I had said, my dad is the strongest, he created the world out of nothing, I would win, right? I would win. My dad would be the strongest if he created everything out of nothing. And that's the Father in heaven that we have. Right? That's what Genesis 1 teaches us. That's why our hope can be so big and so strong because our Father who loves us is big enough and strong enough to create the whole world. And not only did He create it out of nothing, but He created it just by speaking. That's amazing. That's power. Has anyone in here ever created anything just by speaking? Right? No one has done that. That would have been handy last week. Can I have another sandwich that tastes like nothing? Right? Just speak it and just get whatever you want. But Hebrews 1 tells us that not only does he create the whole world out of nothing, but he upholds the universe by the word of his power. This is how he works. He created the world by his word, and he upholds it today by his word, which actually means in all reality, if God stopped speaking the world would stop being. God stopped speaking, the world would stop being. So here's what we're going to do. I want you just to look around the room for a second. Look around the room. Do it. Look around the room. Take a good look. Find a spot. Keep looking. And if you noticed, as you looked, the people and the building didn't disappear. And that's because God is holding all this together by His Word. He's doing it right now. He's holding this together by His Word. And as we get to the scene here in Genesis 1, we see the Spirit of God hovering over a kind of deep, dark chaos. Order needs to be brought to this chaos. And the first thing God does to bring order is to create light. He simply speaks it into existence. Let there be light. And there was light. Wouldn't it have been awesome to be there when that happened? Let there be light. And suddenly the whole universe lights up. Right? And, and, and as he does this, notice the Word of God and the Spirit of God working to create new light and new life instantaneously. Now when I was a kid and I discovered clap-on lights, it was one of the seven wonders of the world to me. I'm not kidding. Right? I would clap, and the lights would come on. I remember the first friend's house I went into, and I thought, what is this magic? Right? To be able to just clap, and lights would come on. Well, of course, that wasn't really a miracle. It was just a cool trick. But there is something we all love about light shining into darkness, isn't there? Does anyone go out into the dark and get hot cocoa and bundle up and just like drive around and look at Christmas lights? We do that 700 times in December because we just love to see the light shining in the darkness. 
We love to see the beauty in the midst of the darkness. There's something about the darkness and the light shining through that gives us hope, that gives us joy. And God created light just by speaking it and then separated it from the darkness. He said the light is good. And he separates it out. And then here's what he does. He sets up our creation so that over and over again, darkness would be overcome by light in the morning. There was evening, and there was morning the first day, and the second day, and the third day, and the fourth day, and every day since then. A daily reminder that the darkness cannot overcome the light, but that light will keep shining. We have a Father who created the world and spoke light into existence. We have a Father who is able to create the whole universe and light it up so that we can see it and remember how powerful and how able He is. Now perhaps this particular darkness for you, whatever season you're in, has felt a bit longer and a bit stronger than before. I guarantee it's not as strong as our Creator. Much of the darkness we live in comes because we live in a world that pretends like it doesn't have a creator. Right? Well, we're not deceived like that. It lives seeking to set up these little baby thrones for itself and the things it wants. And I pray that we would not be practical atheists in the way we function day to day when our little thrones crumble here, but we'd remember that in the midst of the current darkness of the world, we serve a God that has Genesis 1 on his resume. We serve a God that's that powerful and that big. We serve a God who speaks, li- speaks and light and life appear. We serve a God who created this world and therefore there is certainly nothing in this world that he created that can stop him or thwart his plans or stop his purposes for our good and his glory. The reality of our God who speaks light into darkness in creation reminds us that our hope can be very deep because our God is very able. Point number two, God's power and light in conversion. So God doesn't only show His power and light in the creation of the universe in the Word of God, but He shows it in the conversion of souls. Listen to 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn there. 2 Corinthians 4, and I'm going to read verses 3 to 6. Here's what Paul is saying about his ministry. He says, Even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul is talking about his ministry, and he starts here by talking about those who have rejected the gospel. And then there's these others who have received the gospel. Paul says some are perishing, and the gospel to them is veiled. They they can't see it. They're still in darkness. Well, what does that mean? Paul says it means they cannot see the light 
of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And otherwise, there's darkness and chaos in their souls that keeps them from seeing who Jesus is. They can't see Him. They can't see He's in the image of God. They can't see the glory of the gospel. Paul proclaims the gospel and people have been blinded by the devil. In other words, Jesus seems boring to them. Why do you guys get together every Sunday and talk about Jesus? Why do you give your money to the cause of Jesus? You have a lot more money in that budget every month if you didn't give to Jesus. Why do you go and sing about Jesus? You realize how weird that is, right? Jesus seems boring. He seems irrelevant. He seems like an old school killjoy that just wants you to suppress your deepest desires and follow a bunch of rules. 1 John has this imagery in chapter 5 of a world that has been slowly rocked to sleep in the arms of the devil. It lies in the power of the evil one. It's like Satan is holding the world and just shushing it to sleep. Shh. Go watch your Netflix. Shh. Check your Instagram. Shh. Get back on social media. It's rocking it to sleep. Holding the world and causing them to run headlong into false pleasures that will never satisfy. Shh. Just click on that link again. Shh. Just, just run over there again. Right? And just running after these pleasures that will never satisfy. Or, shh. Get angry. Find other people to get angry with. Get, get louder. Get more outraged, divided, distracted until there's nothing left. The devil's strong and crafty. He loves the darkness. And so do we until Christ breaks in. But Christ does break in, doesn't he? Doesn't Christ break in? Doesn't Christ break in? Do you think... There's no hope for a world like that that I just described. Well, that's the world we find ourselves in. Do you think there's no hope for a world like that? Look at verse 6. The same God who created light and let it light up the darkness at creation has spoken light into our hearts so that we can see Christ has given us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In other words, at some point, God said, no more darkness in that heart. No more blindness in that heart. No more veil on that heart. I'm taking it away. I'm shining my light in and they will see and love and savor and treasure Jesus Christ. That's what happened to every single person sitting here that believes in Jesus. God just did it just like he did at creation. Let light shine. Lazarus, come out. That kind of action to change dark, broken hearts. The gospel is the good news of the person and work of Jesus. Why do people who previously were blinded and veiled and rocked to sleep by Satan suddenly wake up? Because God shines his light into our dark hearts and gives us the knowledge of the glory of God in the person of Jesus. He shines. He gives the knowledge. He does the work. Chapter 3 just going to go back a few verses. It says, The veil is removed by the power of the Spirit. Again, the Word of Christ. 
and the Spirit of God creating light and life to do what? To make us new creations. Do you see the parallel of Genesis 1? Do you see why Paul goes back there and says it's like that? The Word of God, the Spirit of God shining and making new creation. Imagine being content just sleeping in the darkness. Then suddenly someone comes and whips the covers off and opens the shade and walks you out to Christmas morning with lavish gifts that you never even knew were there just a few seconds ago. That's what the gospel's like. That's what salvation's like. That's what this moment of shining is like. And this is what God does. Someone speaks the gospel. You speak the gospel to your, to your neighbor, to a family member at some family gathering, to a, a co-worker. You speak the gospel maybe with little faith. It's never mattered before. And suddenly God overcomes the darkness by the power of the Holy Spirit and sets that person free by the Spirit to walk out of the darkness and they see Jesus. And suddenly they love Him. He's not boring anymore. He's beautiful. He's not irrelevant anymore. He's irresistible. He's no longer an old school killjoy that wants to suppress your deepest desire, but the most relevant person in the world that wants to show you and give you the deepest desires of your heart you never even knew you had until 10 seconds ago, which is fellowship with the living God of the universe bought by the blood of Christ and given by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Like That happens. That happened to you at some point. Have you forgotten how amazing that is? You speak. Someone speaks, and God shines. So what is that like? Well, something like this. You hear that the Son of God came and lived the perfect life you couldn't live, and suddenly relief and joy come as the burden of always knowing you couldn't do enough fades away. Anyone feel that at the moment of salvation when you realize it? (laughs) I, I knew I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it. He did it. Or you hear that the Son of God died for your sins and the the guilt you've never been able to shake begins to slowly dissolve. Or you hear that the Son of God rose again to conquer death, that there's an inheritance awaiting you that's undefiled, unfading, right? Imperishable, incorruptible. You hear all that, and that if you trust Him, you can live forever in His presence, and you go, now I realize why this earth could never satisfy my heart. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been waiting for. God speaks and light shines into your heart and you can finally see reality. You can see Jesus and you can finally see everything else. No longer do you need to make excuses for your dark past sins and current dark sinful desires and try to find people that will validate them and call them good and join in them with you, but instead you can put them to death and pursue a a holy joy in knowing Him and being found in Him, not having a righteousness that comes from the law, but a righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. No longer do you need to hide in darkness and medicate your dark shame with entertainment or dark compulsions, but you can walk in the freedom of knowing your shame is covered by the righteousness of Jesus. And over time, with help of the body of Christ, with prayers, you can walk more and more into the light 
yeah, that was me, but it's not me anymore. Covered by the righteousness of Christ. Just as God's power is seen as He speaks light into darkness in creation of the world, so His power is just as unstoppable as He speaks light into darkness in the conversion of souls. That is really good news for a dark and weary world. Paul draws the analogy here with creation to show the overwhelming, unstoppable, and irresistible nature of this calling. You should be as hopeful for your family members and your friends and your neighbors and the nations as your God is able. Pray your guts out this Advent season. Pray for conversion. Pray that God would shine the light into the darkness and save your neighbors and co-workers and friends and families. Do you see His ability not only in creation but in conversion? If you think, yeah, but this period of history is dark, God is not constrained. Right? God has done this in times of prosperity for Christians and more often in times of persecution for Christians. He's done this in big cities. He's done this in small towns. He's done it when it seemed least likely. He's done it and nothing can stop it. So if you feel mainly frustration or resignation in this dark culture, get a big view of the sovereign light of God shining into hearts and making Jesus irresistible. Get a big view of our God who is more committed than you are or than we could ever imagine to the light of His glory going all the way to the ends of the earth like Haddon preached last week shining to save broken sinners in our neighborhoods and all the way to the nations. There are people in your neighborhoods and in the nations right now who are completely asleep and blind like we were, but who will soon be woken up by a bright, irresistible light shining that will not let them crawl back under the gloomy covers of sin and apathy that once felt like such a security blanket. Do you believe that? in these south suburbs, all the way to the nations, because you speak the name of Jesus, and God shines to your co-workers and your family and your friends. Point number three, God's people as light in culture. If you're losing heart lately, listen to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 7 to 12, right after the text that was read this morning. Here's what it says about this gospel treasure we have. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So feeling like a jar of clay? Good. That's right where God wants you. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So what's that saying? Let me summarize it in two ways. Number one, it's saying that the treasure of the gospel is carried around and proclaimed by weak vessels in order to show that God is the one with the power. And that should be comforting. You can take a deep breath. So when I say, go say this to your family and your, your co-workers and your friends, none of it's on you except just to speak. 
right? If you go, I'm too weak. They know me. They know my, my struggles and my, my brokenness. I can't say anything about Jesus. They know me, Pastor Dave. Like, I'm the problem in my family. Amen. Some of us are more of the problem. Some of us are part of the problem. All of us are some of the problem and part of the problem because we're sinners. But God knows that. He's using weak vessels to show the surpassing power belongs to Him. It doesn't rest on our strength. We are weak and frail on purpose to show that the treasure of the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Christ is spread by the power of God alone. So if revival breaks out in your neighborhood, none of you can say it's because of you. Right? So if revival breaks out in the south suburbs, none of us can say it was because of us. If the gospel finds unreached people groups, none of us can say it was because of us. We say, we're just weak vessels who boast in our weakness, and the surpassing power belongs to God. So boast in your weakness. Boast in your weakness and speak of God's power in the gospel. And number two, it's saying that Christians are living parables. Christians are living parables. As we are afflicted and perplexed, and persecuted, and struck down, and suffering, and experienced the curse of sin and death. But in all of that, our faith is not destroyed. We are walking parables of death and resurrection that shines the light of Jesus from our weak jars of clay lives. In other words, God shines light into our hearts. He helps us see and love the gospel, see and love Jesus. He transforms our hearts. And then it all gets better, right? Life just gets easy. No. No, right? Then day by day, as suffering comes, and brokenness comes, and darkness comes, He keeps us believing. Keeps us trusting. And the world sees light shining from weak, broken, suffering, sinful vessels and wonders, what is that? What is that hope? What is that joy? As you lose your job and trust Jesus, the light shines. As you lose your loved one and trust Jesus, the light shines. As you are slandered and keep loving the people around you, the light shines. As you suffer with disease or disability and keep trusting Jesus, the light shines. As you refuse to give in to the culture of distracted and divided outrage and instead choose kindness and hospitality, hospitality for the neighbors that hate you most, the light shines. As you keep believing and trusting against all odds, the light shines. That's what this is saying. And as it shines and everything over here in your life looks like death, everything over here looks like curse, and you keep believing, what are they seeing? They're seeing death and resurrection, right? Death at work in you and life in them as the light shines out to them. As, as you continue to walk steadfastly, trusting, the light shines. And it shines because God, who created light in creation, converted you by His shining light and gave you the treasure of Christ and the hope of eternity. And you know He's able you know He'll keep His promises. You know He's called your name and shown His light into your heart and you're alive and He keeps you and you keep 
shining. So let me read verses 16 to 18. It says, So we do not lose heart. Don't lose heart, church. Our outer self is wasting away, but our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. So church, don't lose heart. The God of Genesis 1 and the God who shone His light into our hearts to help us see Christ will certainly bring us to Himself. He's shown in us to save and He'll shine through us to save. The darkness will not overcome the light and one day soon, one day soon, one day very soon, all will be light. All will be light. He'll scatter the darkness for good, so let your hope in Him shine. We should be deeply hopeful because our God is infinitely able. Let's bow our heads. I'm just going to ask you a couple questions as we go into a time of prayer. So if you're here today and you're not yet trusting in Jesus, as I'm talking about Him as beautiful and irresistible and the joy of your life and the Savior of your soul, you just go, I haven't actually trusted Him in that way. I haven't yet put my hope in Him in that way. I just want to invite you now to trust Him, to hear His call and to to come, to come and walk out of the darkness of your sin and your shame and receive His forgiveness and to trust Him. So if that's you today, would you just take a moment and talk to Jesus? And if you need more time, I would invite you to talk to anyone around you as well. Maybe you're here today and you have trusted in Jesus. I just ask you to ask Him right now to show you where have you been prone to frustration and resignation? Where have you, have you given in to the culture of outrage? Would you ask him to remind you now by the power of his spirit, of his ability to shine light into dark hearts and to save? Second Corinthians 3 says that The Spirit comes to change us from one degree of glory to the next into the same image as we look on Christ. So would you now confess where you have darkness in your heart? Maybe it's a darkness of of bitterness or lust or control or gossip or anger or frustration. You confess your areas of darkness and ask the Spirit to come even now and help you behold Christ and transform you from one degree of glory into the next into his image as you walk away from those things and walk towards Jesus. Now I just want you to take one minute after confessing your sins and simply take a minute to meditate on and rejoice in the reality of being saved.
Rejoice in being a Christian. Rejoice in the reality of no condemnation. Rejoice that he's shown into your heart and helped you see Jesus, that you will be with him forever where there will be no darkness and only light. Just take a minute to meditate and rejoice on the way he's called you to himself. So, King Jesus, we do rejoice in our salvation. Lord, if there's anyone in here who doesn't yet trust you that way, I pray that you would shine the light of your gospel into those dark hearts and save them and draw them to yourself. Maybe there's someone watching online who doesn't yet know you that way. Lord, shine right into their living room right now and save them. And for those of us who do trust you, Lord, would you remind us of your power, of your goodness, of your faithfulness, so that we can be deeply hopeful as we remember, remember that you are infinitely able. Lord, banish the darkness of our hearts. Help us walk towards you. Forgive us our sins and thank you for the reality that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Be with us now as we come to eat and drink with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720 13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.